Dr. Shannon Sovendahl with Match on a Fire, Medicine and More podcast. Let the healing begin. Hi, this is Shannon Sovendahl with Match on a Fire, Medicine and More podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm sitting with my beautiful wife, Stephanie Sovendahl. What's up, everyone? If you guys are listening, this is our first podcast, so hopefully you'll bear with us. We'll have some growing pains, I'm sure, as we get through this first podcast. Our topic for the day is going to be being great. And that's kind of funny when it's your first podcast. You wrote this about me? I didn't even know. (laughs) No, sorry. You are great though. Thanks. Yeah. What we're going to do is do a quick introduction, tell you what Match on a Fire is all about, and then we'll get into the content. So Steph, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey everyone. As my lovely husband said, my name is Steph Sovendahl. And yeah, I've been working pre-hospital EMS for about 20 years. Worked in everything from private ambulance companies to the fire service, was an engineer paramedic and work now as a clinical educator. So kind of the whole spectrum. I think you're great at your job, so good job. Oh, boy. Yeah. He's buttering me up for this. I'm Shannon Sovendahl. I'm an emergency physician. I went to med school at Columbia, and then I went to residency at Stanford. I'm board certified in emergency medicine and EMS. Notice I left my education. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for about 20 years as well. What Match on the Fire is, hopefully, is education, but also a little fun. Uh, we want to talk about certain medical topics, but we also want to talk about all the things that revolve around being a care provider, especially you know people who, who take care of sick people and see kind of the trauma and devastation that happens with that. I know that I certainly spend a lot of time mulling over the cases that I've had, and I think, Steph, you do the same. So that will come into play a little bit during the podcast, but also we want to give just some good medicine. What Match on a Fire is not is we're not academic center. We are not affiliated with any hospital or education you know, center per se. These are our experiences and our thoughts from actually practicing. So if anyone ever has a problem with something we say and you get all fired up, just send us an email and we can certainly talk about it online and talk about it on the next podcast. And send that's what we Send us an email if you like us too. Yeah, that's, we won't get those emails. You I only know. get the bad ones from my experience. Oh, Mr. Class half. <laughs> all right, let's talk about being great. All right. You ready? I'm ready. I got a number Does for you, Steph. my name after this? Oh, what's your number? 86,400. No, no, no. I wanted your number, like your digits. 86,400. <laughs> Let's get to work. <laughs> what does that mean to you? Anything? Oh, shoot. Looks like about the number of Twinkies I ate last year. She looks that way better than she sounds. <laughs> way better. Hmm. Nope. 86,400. Special number to me because that is the number of seconds in a day. I was off. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> So what does that have to do with this presentation about greatness? We're talking about being great, and I just threw out a number of 86,400. And the real reason for that is because what I want you to think about when you're listening to this podcast is how much of your day, how much of your time do you spend preparing for your dream or preparing to be great? Steph, how much of your day do you spend trying to be great? Well, I spend all day trying to be great, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not that successful at it. So I'm going to go with uh, 300 seconds. 300 seconds is what you spend a day? Trying to be great, yeah. How many minutes is 300 seconds? Uh, five, Bob. Five, five minutes. <laughs> so we're talking about five minutes. You have 86,400 seconds in a day. We're talking about 300 seconds, committing 300 seconds a day, five minutes to be great. That is 0.3% of your day. That doesn't seem overwhelming or unrealistic. No. Not at all, yeah. I had a buddy who uh, was like an Olympic level wrestler, and he said that he basically does some things to try to keep, in, 
keep in shape every day. He does 10 pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and 10 sit-ups. And that is not that many pull-ups or push-ups or sit-ups really for an Olympic wrestler. But what he said is it's such a low number because it's a doable number and he can prove whether he's weak-minded in any given day. So even if he has the flu, he will perform his 10 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, and 10 sit-ups every day. And I kind of like that idea that he was really focused on it's every day, baby steps, you have to do something to be great. And even when you're having a bad day and you feel like you don't want to do that, five minutes is doable, man. Five minutes is totally doable. 300 seconds out of 86,400 seconds. So that's what I want us to kind of take home from the beginning of this talk. I have a quote up that I like from Michael Jordan. It says, limits like fears are often just an illusion. Michael Jordan was pretty good at his craft. And really what this says to me is that you know, we all put limits on ourselves. We all think of what we can and can't do. And really that just kind of puts us in a box a little bit because at least in my experience, every time that I've tried to do something outside the box or something that expands me a little bit, I'm always surprised at the outcome. And I might not achieve that end goal, but I am better than when I started. And really that's the whole process is to just get better with each additional step. What does um, greatness mean to you, Steph? Man, in my life right now, greatness is getting the kids both in bed by... 8 p.m. and also going to bed by 8.30. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty <laughs> I, I'm good. guessing that's not what you're asking. Though. Oh, that, I mean, that, <laughs> I will agree with you that on some days that's that like is great greatness. days. I totally agree with you. Who do you think's great? Well, now you know where I'm going with this question. Baby Jesus, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you can't ask me a question like that. Baby Jesus is my great, great human. I would go with some sports figures, probably. (laughs) If you asked me who was great, I would probably go with Muhammad Ali. All right. I'll give you that one. Joe Montana. I'm a 49er fan, if you guys don't all know it. Lance Armstrong. And everyone's going to get up in arms. Man, Lance Armstrong is a great athlete. He's great. He's a great athlete. Regardless of that. Greg Lamont is a great athlete. Um, A little partial to cyclists. For me, Neil Armstrong. Going to the moon, man. Doesn't get better than that. Number one. That, that first man movie is ridiculous. When they're landing on the moon and all the alarms are going off and he's like, what alarm is that? And he's just calmly dealing with the problem. That is me epitomizing. Are like you what we that do. movie for anyone? Probably. <laughs> the point of this story is, is that when he was laying on the moon, his heart rate was like at 170. But when you listen to him on the radio and you, you look at him, he's so Chill, calm, man. right? Yeah. And that's exactly what- It's no big deal. You know, first responders and, and people in EMS and ER docs like- when all Super shit's true. going sideways, then you're just calm, right? Totally I might be having heart rate 190, like but on the outside, it looks like calm. Like a duck. Yeah. Feet are going crazy underneath, but you're floating calm across the water. Yeah. duck feet. Mm-hmm. Duck. <laughs> <laughs> I would also put in there that the 343 firefighters from 9-11, that's all greatness, man. Mm-hmm. Running into a building when everyone's For running sure. out, ridiculous. That's just For ridiculous. Sure. When Steph and I started dating, I actually was working for a professional cycling team. So I worked for Slipstream Sports. That was uh, Garmin, Sharp, had multiple different names to it. Yeah, flying me to those fancy things. That's a different story for a different time. But (laughs) I got to be around greatness. I got to be around some great athletes. And I got to see these guys perform incredible feats. Like if you ever get a chance to watch these guys racing up the Alps or the Dolomites, they're going so freaking fast and it's incredible. Like it's just an amazing engine that's working. Christian Vanneville once was climbing up in the Dolomites and he was just talking to us in the team car and it was cold out. There was snow on the ground and steam was just coming off his body and we were hauling ass up this hill. Well, I was in a car hauling ass up the hill, but he was hauling ass up this hill. And I was like, that guy is just pure engine, like going up this mountain. It was impressive. 
So guys like that, Christian Vandeveld, Bradley Wiggins, I got to work with him. He won the Tour de France. Ryder Hejdal won the Tour of Italy. Pretty awesome bike riders. What do you think they all have in common besides being bike riders? What, what else do these guys have in common? They all shave their legs. They do. <laughs> but on a deeper level, oh. all these guys who are being great, <laughs> they have all deep. had shitty days. All of them had shitty days. baby Jesus. See, mine comes back into play here too. He did have a pretty shitty day once. <laughs> he had <some> once. <laughs> well, that was like a, okay, wait, like a week. It was like week. Friday. It's like Friday a to Sunday. <laughs> a couple days. I would just say he's uh, in a similar boat. So they all have shitty days. That's, that's the key here is that nothing of this greatness comes for free. You have to work for it. I remember uh, being in a bike race with Tyler Farrar. He was a sprinter for us and he, he crashed on the side of the road and we pulled up to help take care of him. He was bleeding profusely from his hand. We got him right back on his bike because that's what we do. When you're in a grand tour, you can't get dropped off the back. So we got right back on the bike and started to ride and I was trying to assess him and I had quickly wrapped some gauze around that hand and it was just spewing through that gauze. And I was like, I got to take this gauze off again and take a look. I took the gauze off and it was an arterial bleed and just pumping blood. And, and I told him that, man, your day's, your day's over. And when you tell someone in a grand tour that's three weeks long that their day is over, you're telling them that their grand tour, their goal for the year is over. And it was a you know, profound moment for him that he just was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to win any more stages here. He actually got off his bike. He chucked it into the weeds. There's some funny pictures of it. And we end up going to the hospital with him to fix him up. But I was just taken aback by these guys have these days where they win bike races and they're so elated. And then some of the other days, they're just devastated. You know, it's so much work, a year's worth of work, just gone in an instant because you crashed your bike, you crossed someone's wheel on the road and fell down. So it's pretty impressive. Anybody else that you have in your mind that you think is great? You waiting for me to say you? <laughs> probably be waiting for a long, long time. <laughs> Didn't know we were fishing. I put, I put this in there a little bit at the beginning, but uh, when I said the 343 firefighters, but really, man, all of EMS, like providers who step out into the fray to do the job, those people are great because there's really no better training in my mind anywhere where you can take an EMT or a paramedic and you train them the way you do. And then you send them out into the world and you say, you do whatever you want. You're going to take care of any problem that presents itself and you're going to be able to handle it. And for the most part, that's true. That's an impressive education. And so for me, providers who say, I want that job, I want to go out there and do that. I want to walk into somebody's house, not know what's going on and then deal with whatever problem I find, deal with an MCI, deal with a nasty car crash, like you had with the dogs and kids oh, and gosh. right, all this terribleness. Like, like to dogs. do that job, it has to, you have to be incredible. And so I put them in the, the realm of greatness too. You know, we talk about Odell Beckham dropping a pass. I'm like, please, Odell Beckham, like you're getting paid millions of dollars. You just dropped a pass and now you're upset. What about an EMS provider that goes into the field, taking care of a sick person, has to get this tube, has to get this airway. These are nowhere in comparison to me. So if I got a chance to meet Odell Beckham or a great EMS provider that was super solid, I'd rather meet the EMS provider. That's truth. I actually don't want to ever meet these stars because they kind of, they kind of <laughs> burst your bubble when you actually meet them. I think that what EMS providers do is, is amazing. So for everyone out there who's listening, can you be great? Steph, do you think you can be great? You know, I, you know, well, I struggle with this one. You know, I think we do. And I think, you know, for years, since you've kind of brought up this 300 seconds a day thing into my life, I do. I try five minutes a day to uh, keep working at my craft. And obviously some days much more than five minutes a day, but I at least try to get those five minutes a day and to be great. But, you know, as you talk about those cyclists being having shitty days and having days where they're on top of the world, I think it relates really well to EMS because I think that's how I feel. I think I, I put in work almost every day to try to be better, but man, 
some days, no matter what, you're just going to have some shitty days in EMS, but some days you feel like you're on top of the world. You're chest bumping and high-fiving in the ER, like, yeah. Yeah, I wish I had more of those days. I usually, I, <laughs> but, no, I, I, no, I always no, no, call no, in. few and far in between, yeah. especially the more you do this, because you, you become more, more critical of yourself. And actually a quote I heard recently pedaling my bike was, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. And I actually really liked that yeah, like because that I, uh, I practice a lot and uh, I still have yet to be perfect. <laughs> but my, my goal for practicing is, is to make things permanent so that when I am on those car accidents with dead puppies, I can make my practice permanent. And Why are the dogs so terrible? I agree. I like the dogs on car accidents are just terrible, but we digress. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway. I always tell Steph that, you know, I hate losing more than I like winning, which creates a, a problem in your brain that you never kind of get satisfied. Like I'm always just thinking about those patients that I didn't do well on. And to me, it's almost every patient that I feel like I didn't do well on. I was at Thanksgiving dinner and and my mom was like, oh, it must be great. You know, you you guys do EMS, you you save people's lives. That must be awesome. And I actually sat there and thought that that it's not. It's not because I was like, I'm always just so vexed by the people that (laughs) that I mess up on. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm thinking about. But coming back to the question of whether you can be great, I think that everyone should ponder that a little bit. You know, Tom Brady was the 199th draft pick. Joe Montana, 82nd draft pick. By the way, top 100-year team, Joe Montana came out as the number one picked quarterback. Tom Brady was the second one. Just saying. Just Sigh. second. Uh, Michael Jordan was cut from varsity. I think a lot of people know that story. Walt Disney was told that he's not creative enough. Van Gogh never sold a painting when he was alive. Einstein couldn't speak fluently you until he was nine. You're pulling all stuff out of your head. These are important Goodness. facts, Steph. I wonder you have such a peanut-shaped head. <laughs> important facts. <laughs> and you know, this applies to, to me as well. Like when I decided to go into medicine, I had been an economics major. I hadn't done any prereqs really for med school. And I went and saw the advisor and said, hey, I think I want to go to med school. And she was less than enthusiastic. She was like, well, if you want to, you can, you can try to do that. And so I was really kind of demoralized coming out of that meeting that this was something that would be out of my reach. But then what I really had to focus on was, you know, what, what makes me different than all the other applicants? I don't have to be the other applicants. I have to be me. And I have to do the things that make me stand out in that crowd. And those are different because I had a different life experience than the other people that were applying. So I applied to Columbia, which I felt was way out of my league. Like it's a, it's a good school, you know, and I had been told by this advisor that I probably wasn't even getting into med school. So I went out to my interview. Fortunately, I got an interview. Um, but I didn't meet the dean and I came home and I was all bummed because I hadn't met the dean of the school. And I felt like that was a real detriment. So I kind of sat down and, and thought about what are my other- your personality shines through yeah. in front of people. What, what my other options were. And I was like, man, I, I want to go back and meet the dean. I feel like I have to meet the dean to get in. So I wrote him a letter asking if I could just come back and meet him. And he sent a letter back. This was snail mail. So I'd gone to the mailbox every day to get this letter. And he used these words in this mail that he had written me, this letter that I didn't even understand. And that like threw me off because I'm like, I can't even communicate with the dean of the school. Like I'm not smart enough. Was this Columbia, the country? Yeah, exactly. In New York City, the Columbia, the country in New York City. Oh, New York City. (laughs) All right. Well, I just figured if you didn't understand what you're saying back, it might be Columbia, the country. He literally used the word arepense. I don't even know how to say that word. That's not Spanish. Alacrity. Like these are the words in the letter. I had to look them up in the Webster Dictionary. I felt like it was a positive letter. So I, I ended up going back and interviewing with him. And while I was interviewing with him, he was like, hey, you know, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't come to Columbia. Put his hands on his desk. He leaned back and he goes, of course, I'll have you sign the papers right now. In your interview. In my interview. I was totally struck, right? I'm like, okay, like there was do not pass go, do not collect $200. 
signing the papers That's right my, now. You yeah. stole that from me. So, <laughs> so I went, signed the papers and uh, started school. After my first test at that school, I got literally smoked. Like smoked. Like I was like failing. something? No, or I could have oh. smoked something and taken the test because I would have done just as well. You probably would have done better. Like I was failing at probably Columbia Med School. Better. And I was like, clearly the letter with the words that I didn't know was the indicator to me that this was beyond my grasp, mm-hmm. right? And I went in to see the professor and he told me, he asked me who I was studying with. I told him, Charlie, Charlie Cho, if you listen to this, you're a smart motherfucker. Anyway, I told him I was studying with Jeff and Charlie and Mike, and he told me- You would have never dated in that, uh, Yeah, never. <laughs> he told me that uh, I needed a different study group. But what he was really telling me was that those guys were too smart for me. Like the way they studied and the way I studied were totally different. So what I did is I stopped going to class. I stopped going to class, and I literally studied the material for like eight hours a day. 7 a.m., you know, I'd come to the library. I'd go work in the library. I wouldn't go to class. And at Are break- you encouraging this type of- I'm just saying that Model? the point of this is that you we need to find a way, listening. you know, right. find a way that works for you. So the studying for eight hours when Charlie Cho would study for 15 minutes, maybe those were equivalent, but I had to put in that eight hours at school so that I could come home and study at night and still just keep up. But it was a totally different way to approach the system. And really when you're thinking about greatness at that moment, when I got the test back and I looked at my score, I was like, I'm nowhere near greatness. This is not attainable. But rather than say, well, you know, let's just call it a day. I was like, I'm already moved to New York. I already rented an apartment. So I might as well, you know, give it my best and just putting your head down and focusing every day. Like this wasn't a task that you can cram before the test. This is every day. Every morning you had to show up to the library. Every morning I would, you know, study for these hours. And that's because it's just day after day is how you get there. Yeah. It's the grind. grind. It's totally the grind. You know, if you think about what you want to do in your life and you think about being great, Start with that grind every day. And if you feel like you can't overcome that grind every day, then that's where the 300 seconds come in. Five minutes a day, right? Yeah. Every single day, you come home, you're tired, you dealt with the kids, you went to work, and now it's your time for your dream and you just want to go to bed. Give the five minutes. Yeah. Give the five minutes. I'm an instant gratification kind of gal. So five minutes, I could actually wrap my brain around. And it's good. It's totally good. Yeah. It's amazing how much it pays off. Totally good, the grind. So, what I want to leave with you guys on this podcast is hopefully that wasn't just terrible. We want you to think about the 300 seconds a day, five minutes a day, 0.3% of your day committed to whatever you deem is important in your life and whatever you think you need to do to become great. You only got one life to live, man. And there's limited time in the day. There's limited years in your life. But if you do it totally right, one life might just be enough. I'm Shannon Sovendahl and that's our show. Thanks for tuning in to Match on a Fire, Medicine and More. If you have any questions, shoot me an email at shannon at matchonafire.com. And if you're enjoying the show, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Thanks. We appreciate you listening.